and welcome to Books the Podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we're booksmen. Yeah. Tom, you gotta say your your catchphrase. Oh, what's my catchphrase? Weird booksmen. <laughs> Weird booksmen. <laughs> Second week in a row, I forgot the catchphrase. I know. Well, last week you came like, oh, no, that's not part of the catchphrase. It's part of it. It's part of yeah, it. Yeah, I guess Tom. it should be. We're both. Oh, all right, let's take it again. <clears throat> Hello. Weird booksman. Tom, there's, a, oh, whole, I thought there's it was, a whole thing before it. I thought it was at the same time. We should say more things in unison, especially <laughs> uh, when uh, when we're recording remotely. And there's a little bit of a lag. Well, I was going to say, you know, we've got we've got these live shows in London coming up. What if the shows were all in unison? <laughs> I think that would be How a lot more it... work than it would be worth. <laughs> How long do you think it would take for the entire audience to walk out? <laughs> yeah, it see... wouldn't be executed well. <laughs> yeah, it would be all just like in fits and starts. <laughs> I went to go see this podcast I've been listening to. Uh, these two Americans, they flew all the way over from London, uh, from New York to London, and then they just slowly <laughs> said the same things in unison <laughs> on stage. None of it coherent or interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was obvious they hadn't really uh, memorized it all, so they were just looking at each other for what hints of what the next word would be. <laughs> Anyway, it was a great show. Five stars. Hashtag Suit Squad. Hashtag Suit Squad. <laughs> Tim, That's are you what everybody wear, will Are say. you, you going to wear your suit to these live shows? Maybe I will, Tom. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, we should see if Indochino will sponsor the live shows. <laughs> and and get, get me a, uh, a custom matching suit. Tom, you should get a custom suit from Indochino. What if... What if just to show how well the suits are made, they just sent me an exact copy of your suit in your measurements, and then well, I wore that to show like and broke out of it like the Incredible get, Hulk. If you get the measurements wrong, this is what you'd look like. <laughs> so they want they want people to see what happens if if the service doesn't work out for them. <laughs> Well, what could happen if you went somewhere else? Yeah, that's not good. Maybe oh, they'll if just you have went me somewhere ghost. else. Okay. Maybe, maybe we can <laughs> I thought convince... they'd be like, "Hey, Indochino's great, but if you send the wrong uh, <laughs> measurements, you wind up spending five hundred dollars on this piece of crap that doesn't even fit you." Or maybe they'll just pay uh, pay me to get an ill fitting suit elsewhere, <laughs> just to have a. Uh... Yeah. And and I'll happily sit on stage for two nights in a row just wearing a poorly fitted suit. Should we wear suits? I don't have a custom Indochino suit, Tim. I but just you got have the, a suit. the pants. Yeah, I have a suit, but again, it's not going to fit as well. That's okay. You don't have to look oh, as good as I easy, do on stage. Easy for the man who has a custom suit to say. Yeah. Um, go all out. Maybe I'll even Maybe. buy a new tie. Wow. Yeah. I bought a new tie actually right before that wedding that we went to. Uh, I needed a new dress shirt and a tie because uh, all, 
All my ties had stains on them. <laughs> I think we talked about this. How do we yeah. both stain our ties? Uh, you know, I know why, because we wear them to weddings and we get so drunk and spill things <laughs> yeah, all over get ourselves. Slob, get sloppy drunk as people are coming around with hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'll have some of the dipping sauce with that hors d'oeuvre, too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I, always drunk enough that I'm like dabbing my my uh, my <laughs> lips with it afterwards. Uh, but I went to H and M to buy ties, mm. um, and it was very hard to find ties. They had Harry like, and Marv's. <laughs> oh boy, you'd get really ripped off there. Yeah, exactly. Where would my wallet go? Um, but uh. I thought they would have a bigger uh, tie selection than they did. They had mm. like two pegs with with ties, and you could only buy two packs of ties. You couldn't; they didn't sell any really? individual ties. Yeah. Huh. What a weird thing to do. Yeah, and like the ties I got, they weren't bad, and they were relatively inexpensive. Like I wasn't yeah. unhappy with it, but I was just kind of like, "Oh, this is it? Like, why don't, why don't you guys? You have like three different two packs of ties." How about some more options? And they had a bunch of belts that were too small. I went to buy a tie um, the day before friend of the show Dan's wedding that Mm -hmm. uh, we both went to. Um, I think I went to Bloomingdale's, Tom. Bloomingdale's? They They had a, or maybe Lord and Tail, I don't know, something like one of those department stores. They had so many ties, my head was spinning. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe it was even Macy's. Yeah, a place like that—that's uh, what you would expect, I would hope. Yeah, Tom, I can't recommend it if you're if you're going to buy more ties. Yeah. Uh, go to one of the department stores that I think I went to. Uh, I remember uh, when we went to Dan's wedding, I borrowed a tie from my uncle because uh, at his wedding, one of the stipulations was everybody had to wear brightly colored clothes. There right. was no like formal dress code. <laughs> It was just like, wear bright colors. If you don't have dress clothes that are bright colors, that's fine. Just wear something loud. And uh, so I didn't have any bright ties, but I knew my uncle would have a bunch of ties. And I wore a uh, a knit tie. I've never worn a knit tie before. Mm, and I liked it. And it made me feel like uh, Howard from Better Call Saul. Ooh, yeah, because it's fancy. Did He's you always spill got knit ties crap on. all over it? No, I didn't. Your uncle I gave was it, so I pissed actually, off. like, it was a nice enough tie that I made it a point to, like, give it back, uh, <laughs> like, pretty quickly. Nice. So I was like, ah, oh, man, uh, I, I like this tie too much. I'll wear this tie every time, and then it will just get disgusting. Uh, but I have, uh, I was telling you earlier, I've finished season four of Better Call Saul. Uh, rapidly catching up. I know some people have asked us uh, to do an episode about Better Call Saul. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, may- maybe we'll do some. Maybe we'll do something like that once it's once it's over and I've hey, watched it all. Guess what? Great show. No spoilers in the the comments here. Tom's yeah, gonna be trolling yeah. these comments. Yeah, um, please. We're at the very end. I don't want anything spoiled from Tom. There's a couple things based on things that he said. Um, his impressions of the show mm-hmm. that I think uh, are going to be genuinely surprising to him. So yeah. don't ruin it. Don't, don't ruin the surprises. Don't tell me if, if Saul dies before the end of the show. 
<clears throat> Tom, he might. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe the Saul Goodman in uh, in Breaking Bad was I think a we robot. We had this conversation last some week. Kind of but didn't we talk about this? Didn't we talk about how part you've seen part of Better Call Saul takes mm-hmm. place after the oh, events yeah, of Breaking yeah. Bad? So we don't know what happens then. Yeah, yeah, I always forget about it because uh, at least where I am, they show those parts like literally once a season. Yeah. Uh, but I always forget that it's like, oh yeah, no, there are real stakes there of like, yeah, yeah what's what's gonna ha- is he is he gonna get caught? Is he not gonna get caught? Is he gonna live? Is he gonna die? Like, yeah, no spoilers for the end Gee, of Breaking yeah. Bad there either. Exactly. Well, you can spoil Breaking Bad. Yeah, I guess it's been out long enough. But I, I but yeah. I'm choosing not to. Okay. They all uh, get away with it and live happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> they all get away with it. They learn that uh, uh, drugs are bad. A life of doing drugs is uh, no life at all. Yeah, not doing drugs, selling drugs, a, well, d- doing drugs too. You don't want to look. We're not yeah. drugs people here, Tom. No, we're, we're, well, we're certainly not uh, methamphetamine Meth- yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> here. Um, actually, I watched. Uh, have you watched any of? Uh, I know you've. Well, I, we've talked about in this show, uh, uh, Michael Pollan, the author. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, he has a Netflix show about... How to about, Change Your Mind about psychedelics. Yeah. I know you read that book and loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been... Uh, books like that go in one ear out the other. For Like, I'll, 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 I'll always think those books are super interesting while I'm reading it. <laughs> and I'll forget everything that I learned from it. So I really think the the TV show version of it will be a lot more up my alley. Yeah. The, the TV show version's uh, pretty good. Uh, I've only yeah. watched one episode so far, and it was about uh, LSD. Uh, mm. But it, and you know, it covered a lot of the ground in the book. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like, L- just because LSD's just like... Uh, I don't know. It's like not very old at all. Like the guy who created it, I, I think just recently died. In fairness, he was like incredibly old, like well over 100 years old. Well, that just proves that. Uh, yeah, that LSD's uh the good for you and your health. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, would... just like very weird about the the history of it, where like. At first, they were like, we don't know what this is good for. And they would just send it to like any scientist that wanted some. <laughs> and they were just like, figure out what this could be good for. And then a bunch of uh, like uh, psychologists were like, oh, this is great for like psychotherapy. You know, it breaks down a person's ego and and, uh, you know, we're, we're finding tremendous use in it. And then like. Uh, uh, Timothy Leary got involved and then the government and then, you know, Nixon decided uh, he was going to start a war on drugs. And yeah, so it's, it, the history alone is interesting. Yeah, I I'm, I'm interested in that. And also I'm interested in every once in a while I get like an Instagram ad that's like oh, Columbia University is looking for uh, people to be to to take place in like a psychedelics study. It's yeah. like, yo, that like I'm too afraid of drugs. But if it's like, yeah. hey, we have doctors and like science yeah. people here to like um, 
tested. The last thing we want you to do is sue our universities. Exactly. (laughs) And like you're in the hands of like the most capable people that you can think of. Yeah. Um, Cause like I just think like I would admit I smoke pot and I have a I have a panic attack I can't even do right. that so I would have a uh, the proverbial bad trip Tom yeah but only because I'd be going into it with the wrong mindset if I'm like I know this is a safe space these doctors aren't gonna let me fucking die here I <laughs> mean um, yeah. if so like my uh, my wife uh, will get a huge settlement um, <laughs> right. Like kid will uh, go to college at Columbia for free. <laughs> uh, he'll he'll take uh, classes in a building named after his father who died during an experiment. <laughs> and uh, you know, best case scenario, I come out of there with some sort of powers. Well, I don't know if if, if if that's necessarily. You should watch this show, Tim. I yeah. think you have perhaps a misunderstanding of what. Uh, what people I think, think, I is think there's I think they just don't know, Tom. And I think yeah. that's probably what they're testing. So probably, yeah. <laughs> One of the things they're testing is if people have powers. Um no, I mean that's I've never done any kind of psychedelic, and it's for that reason that I'm scared of it. And uh anyone who's like I feel like if you tell people that who are who have done it, they'll tell you I feel like the people who have done it like once will tell you, like, ah, don't be afraid of that. And then the people who have done it a few times are like, oh, if you're afraid of it, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you have to go into it with a good mindset. Yeah. But, you know, right. I'd like to confront my demons. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe if we get to uh, uh, a certain goal on Patreon, maybe a thousand patrons will uh, will both uh, take part of a uh, study. <laughs> I'd like and- to either do that or... Uh- one of those uh, ayahuasca t- uh, things. I don't like throwing up, and and that you throw it up during seems that. Seems like the throwing up is overstated, is what I'm yeah. told. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it, it's kind of like you take it, and then like ten minutes later you throw it back up, and then that's done. Yeah, but still, I'd rather not. I'd rather not throw up as well, but you know, yeah. sometimes if you want to. Uh, I also heard that like part of it is like all of your biggest fears come to visit you, um, <laughs> but um, also like you work through them and they come in like uh, by the by the time you're like you've worked through your problems with your biggest fears, you come out like fearless. Uh, how am I going to work through my problems with Mr. Crisp from Kindergarten Cop, Tim? <laughs> Maybe no, he comes to you. I don't want you. that guy coming to visit me. Maybe he comes yeah. to visit you and you Tom, I love freaking you. murder. Yeah, and maybe he charms you. You're like, man, Mr. <laughs> Crisp really does care about me. He does love me. Yeah. I'm going to change you my name what? to Dominic. I'm going to take, take all my antennas off the, uh, the tower <laughs> over there. <laughs> See, and that's why that's why I need somebody watching me who's yeah, experienced. So cl- climb up a freaking <laughs> yeah, uh, radio tower. Yeah, or I climb up like the New York Times building thinking yeah. it's the radio tower from Kindergarten uh, Cop. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute nightmare. I need somebody that can make sure uh, uh, things like that won't happen. I need somebody just sitting there telling me Mr. Crisp isn't real. Exactly, and time. I know I, I'm the same way, and I know that like 
the reason why we can't do these drugs is because like my wife and your girlfriend are not interested in sitting there and telling us that Mr. <laughs> no. Crisp isn't real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know, like, who... I mean, yeah, I, w- I would trust uh, my girlfriend, but, like, also, it's like, I don't I don't want yeah. you to see me crying about... Mi- no, he's here, though! <laughs> <laughs> he's standing next to you! He's with his mom. She's even meaner. No, he's, his mom's right behind him! <laughs> she's telling him what to do. He doesn't really want to do it, but she's telling him... <laughs> She's like, all right, I'm going to go. You're fine. You're not working through anything. You're going to come out of this the same dumb asshole that you always were. No, no, I'll be less afraid of Mr. Chris in my day-to-day life. I'll have, I'll have transcended, don't you see? I'll I've gotten rid of everything holding me back in this life. <laughs> That's what's holding you back, huh? <laughs> That's one of the things. It's, it's maybe the biggest thing. Yeah. All right. Well, s- speaking of things uh, holding me back, or maybe not holding me back anymore, <clears throat> Tim, what isn't holding me back is finishing this book. You finished it. I finished the book. Well, I mentioned last week that the book, I thought, oh, great. Four parts to this book, four parts to uh, to the average uh, uh, books the podcast. Hmm. Uh, great. And and the first like two parts were were the were 25% each. You know, I was reading it on a Amazon Kimble. Mm-hmm. And uh uh, the third part was 80, got me to 84%. So the last part was like pretty short compared to the rest of the book. And, uh, honestly, this, this last, by the end of this book, it's like, all right, we get it. <laughs> it's one of those type of, yeah. I feel like that, that's a very common self-help book thing, right? Yeah. Where it's just kind of like, like, all right, you've met, you, 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 you mentioned this. You mentioned this several times. <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, any good self-help book is is going to sound somewhat like common sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Because if you read a self-help book and it's like ideas are coming from, like, way out of left field, then it's like, well, this is, that's like what cults do. <laughs> you know, when it's <laughs> like... <laughs> repeat weird things or <laughs> well more, that's one of the things they do but more yeah. just like oh you think uh you know your problem is you're not getting enough sleep no the problem is you're getting too much sleep you should not <laughs> sleep at all. all right 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 you know when you're when you're reading some kind of self-improvement type thing and it's giving like radical uh suggestions then it's like all right. Now I've got to like decide, am I going to like dramatically alter my life uh, to follow this book? Do I believe in this that much? You know, ha- and again, that's where like a cult comes in where where maybe if like multiple people have told you, oh, I read this book and it changed, you know, kind of thinking of like the secret, which you right. read on this show. <laughs> 
where that was I feel just like... about the power of positive thinking, though. I still yeah, use but... those. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I do a lot of that. I've manifested a lot of good parking spots, Tom, by using the tactics I've learned in the secret. <laughs> That's literally the only thing I've. I I do the <laughs> same thing. Like when if uh, if. Like me and my girlfriend go out of town for the weekend and we're coming back on like a Sunday night and it's like parking's gonna be hard. We gotta yep. manifest a spot. <laughs> this, and I and it's definite confirmation bias because I only remember the times when I've been like, <laughs> right. see, right in front of the building. Like, we it did works. it. Look at that. <laughs> the universe answered our our manifestations. Yeah. Um but I mean, like, I, I think a lot of people got into the secret when it came out because there were a lot of people that were like, I did this and it changed my life. It, you know, th- this is the way to live. And, uh, you know, so some people like really took the leap and really got into it. Uh, but, you know, most self-improvement books, they're kind of like, hey, try doing this. And and that's kind of what th- what this book is like. But I, yeah. I still think it's a good book. I just feel like by the end of it, it's like, I get it. Because basically the thing about this book, if you could sum it up into, you know, like one or two sentences, <clears throat> it's don't give in to your emotions. <laughs> okay. You know, don't. Not don't, bad advice. Not bad advice at all. But. Uh, Easier said than done, right. but that is kind of the takes one the, to no oh, one. <laughs> that's, <laughs> now, now you're just saying things, uh, but that that is kind of the overarching uh, uh, theme here. Is like, don't let your emotions override, uh you know what what do you really want in life don't give in to your emotions when if you were able to kind of step back uh you know and everybody also an easy thing to think about is like how many times in your life the you know have you said or done something that uh the next day you're like ah oh, shit why why did i do that that's going to really screw something up for me right uh, I was not thinking clearly. I, I let my emotions get the best of me. And... I mean, uh, every day of my life that happens to me. <laughs> yeah. Certainly every uh, podcast we record. Tom, not having read this book, mm-hmm. um, I have to say, I started implementing some some of the things that um, you told me about that you read in the, the book. That I taught you. Yeah. Yeah. The the knowledge that you generously <laughs> instilled, um, and uh, I got to tell you, I'm seeing results. Like, uh, yeah. like at work and stuff, and like just like uh, you're taking no longer that advice, the pariah of work that you've always I'm been. Really not. I like uh, I take a emo- I try to take emotion out of things. The biggest takeaway is like uh, uh, just trying like. I know they say like, oh, they try to frame it as like being empathetic and like looking at somebody's mm-hmm. point of view. But I'm also like, just butter them up. They want to hear good things about <laughs> themselves. Um, and that works like surprisingly well. People are just like, if you just like, you know, kiss a little bit of ass, 
People yeah. really kind of uh, open up and do whatever you need them to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he he goes to great lengths to ex- to say like, don't flatter people because like people can see through <clears throat> flattery. Like it has to be sincere. But I think you could also read that as like, if you're gonna bullshit somebody, like put put some elbow grease into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't don't expect just like a surface level bullshit to to you know accomplish what you need. It it kind of has to be tailored to the person. <laughs> um, and uh, that's a big part of uh, this part four, which is entitled "Be a Leader: How to Change People Without Giving Offense or Arousing Resentment." Hmm. So a lot of this is about like uh, you know being being a boss. And getting people to do total girl boss, uh, to being a total girl boss, and uh, getting people to do what you want them to do without them hating you, right? And also without them just not doing what you want them to do. Uh, I, I, <laughs> the first part, I think it just kind of like says a lot of that stuff. But uh, the first highlight I have here is just uh, I feel like just kind of gives you gives you an idea of how old this book is. And it was a friend of mine was a guest at the White House for a weekend during the administration of Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah, a little while ago. Um, <clears throat> but but I think this is a good line. He says uh, uh, beginning with praise is like the dentist who begins his work with Novocaine. Mm. So he basically yeah. is saying like, look, if you've got to give somebody bad news or or criticize something they're doing. Numb them with yeah, praise. Yeah, numb them first. Get them yeah. drunk. And if that doesn't work, yeah. uh, you know, give them some praise. Butter them up a little bit before you, you, you have to give them something that's... Uh, uh, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Exactly. Mary Poppins taught us that. Yeah. Time. Well, Mary Poppins was like decades away when this book was published. So, uh, but but maybe he would have used that as an example. Maybe uh, she read the book. Ever think of that? Maybe. Uh, and then he talks about uh, uh, part two of part four, or chapter two of part four, how to criticize and not be hated for it. And, uh, boy, he loves giving Charles Schwab as an example. I mean, Charles Schwab is a name that's still relevant to us today, Tom. So That's true. So um, it's like the guy must have been doing something. something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He gives this example of uh, Charles Schwab was passing through one of his steel mills. I didn't even know he had steel mills. Uh, (laughs) Makes sense, though. It it, it doesn't (laughs) surprise me. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll summarize this cause it's kind of a long quote, but basically he was walking through and he saw all these employees smoking under a no smoking sign. And rather than like going up to him and saying, can't you read you idiots? He walked up, he gave them each a cigar and said, I'll appreciate it boys. If you smoke these on the outside, uh, they knew that he knew that they had broken a rule and they admired him because he said nothing about it and gave them a little present and made them feel important. Couldn't keep from loving a man like that, could you? They were smoking cigarettes, and he yeah. gave them a cigar. That's, you're smoking a cigarette. You don't want to have a cigar. <laughs> Back then you did, though. Back then that was yeah. like a big shot thing to do. 
Maybe these guys were like, oh, we should start smoking cigarettes under the no smoking sign more often. We get free cigars. <laughs> yeah, smoke um, where you're not supposed to. They'll tell you to smoke more. <laughs> uh, I thought this is this is actually like pretty good, small but actionable advice. Many people begin their criticism with sincere praise. So he's basically saying like, look, yeah, I'm not saying something all that new. People know. Butter somebody up. Uh, but he says they uh, follow that with the word but and ending with a critical statement. For example, in trying to change a child's careless attitude towards studies, we might say, we're proud of you, Johnny, for raising your grades this term. But if you had worked harder on your algebra, the results would have been even better. In this case, Johnny might feel encouraged until he heard the word but. This could easily be overcome by changing the word but to and. We're really mm. proud of you, Johnny, for raising your grades this term and by continuing the same conscientious efforts next term, your algebra grade can be up with all the others. Hmm. But I think that's, you know, every, you know, that's like a... Constructive, a right? Like, uh, yeah. But it's also like a, you know, it's a trope. How how often do you hear that in like uh, TV shows and movies and stuff? Oh, well, here comes the butt. Right. You know, oh, and oh, not I'm just sens- when J-Lo walks onto the screen. <laughs> no, that's that's when I'm yelling when I'm at the movie theater. The first time she appears in any of her films. Uh, here comes the butt. <laughs> <laughs> and you rub your hands together. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, lick sir, your lips. We, we told you, you, you won't be allowed into any more J-Lo movies unless you stop doing this. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. We've warned you. You have to leave the screening of Monster-in-Law. <laughs> we've talked to you four times you've already seen this movie <laughs> and also JLo appears in the very first scene <laughs> you haven't made it more she's than literally of- the first person we see on screen in this film <laughs> um, uh uh, chapter three in this part, he talks about uh, talk about your own mistakes first. And he gives this example of uh, uh, he, he talks about hiring his niece as his uh, uh, secretary. And uh, she is like really sucked as a secretary. <laughs> cool. So he did. He, he was light with criticism, but um, <laughs> <laughs> wrote her into his very successful book. Yeah, so people could read about how much she sucked 90 years later, <laughs> long after she's dead. Uh, so she was, but basically he's like, oh boy, like I, you know, I'm kind of regretting hiring my, my niece. She stinks. But then he's like, he said, just a minute, Dale Carnegie, just hmm. a minute. You're twice as old as Josephine. You have had 10,000 times as much business experience. So basically, he's like, you know, I'm judging her on the wrong scale here. Right. And uh, he's saying, so after that, when I wanted to call Josephine's attention to a mistake, uh, I used to begin by saying, you have made a mistake, Josephine, but the Lord knows it's no worse than many I have made. You are not born with judgment. That comes only with experience. And you are better than I was at your age. I've he been said guilty that of... every time that he was criticized. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah, at a certain point, you must be like, like, all right, get to the chase, Uncle, <laughs> yeah. Uncle Dale. Um, 
but I mean, uh, you know, I can, there's nothing that makes me angrier. And this was especially true when I was, you know, a younger man and like doing a lot of things for the first time, like interning or, you know, new at a job when, and I know there's a pet peeve of yours when somebody's like, you know, were you a fucking idiot? Like, yeah. you don't know how the copy machine works. And it's like, no, it's my first day. <laughs> how would I know how it works? Can I tell you the worst thing that happened to me at uh, the butcher shop my first day? And this <laughs> isn't that. Um, mm. But it's it's something that I think about probably four times a week. If a customer asks for boar's head, you don't give them an actual boar's head. <laughs> no, a guy said to me, and there's this guy, uh, like, uh, he was the cool guy. He was a couple years yeah. older. It was Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like, uh, that sounds like a name ripped right from this book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Johnny was like, uh, he was showing me the ropes. He's like, here's where the meat is. Here's where the other meat is. When somebody comes in, here's how you work the. <laughs> he register. points to the no smoking sciences. That's where we smoke. <laughs> exactly. And then once in a while, this old man comes <laughs> and gives us cigars. <laughs> the um, boss comes and gives us cigars. <laughs> um, but then he's like, all right. Um, uh, and then, like, sometimes we just have to, like, straighten up. Uh, so, like, uh, do you know how to sweep? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, as a, like, incredulously went to him, like, do I know how to sweep? Because, like, mm-hmm. you're born with the knowledge of, like, sw- sweeping is just, yeah, like. Yeah, if you see somebody sweep. else sweep once, you know yeah, how to it's sweep. Like, so, so, like, I, like, asked him, like, as a joke, like, do I know how to sweep is, is your question? And he went mm-hmm. like this. Do you know how to sweep? And like, yeah. was there, and like, I was an idiot, and I was just like, "Yeah, I know yeah. how to fucking sweep." And guess what? You're gonna. Uh, this is <laughs> this is the this is your life's peak right now. Yeah. As a fucking like twenty year old, like uh, yeah. condescending to a a sixteen year old, um, who one day is gonna have a podcast and <laughs> drag your ass, Johnny, so hard. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, again, a thing where if you think about it, it's it's not only like a shitty way to be, but like you said, it's also a like, oh, you're you're like luxuriating in the power you have. Yeah, exactly. Over uh, somebody who's brand new or like an intern or something like that, like. (laughs) You know, it's just like such a pathetic way to be. Yeah. Of like, oh, this you're getting an enjoyment out of this. I guess, like you said, oh, I guess this is like the peak for you. Yeah. No, anybody who derives that much joy out of anything that they do at work, especially like um, cutting down a subordinate, this is fucking depressing it's like oh why don't you get real joy in your life somehow (laughs) yeah exactly other than just like by putting somebody down yeah uh well and he brings this up in chapter four no one likes to take orders it's true um and he says uh he he gives an example i mean all these chapters are are just pretty much examples but he talks about a guy who said uh uh, never said, for example, never say, for example, do this or do that or don't do this, don't do that. He would say, you might consider this or do you think that would work? 
frequently he would say after he had dictated a letter, what do you think of this? In looking mm-hmm. over a letter of one of his assistants, he would say, maybe if we were to phrase it this way, that would be better. He always gave people the opportunity to do things themselves. He never told his assistants to do things. He let them do. He let them do them. Let them learn from their mistakes. Which, you know, again, is like a another, you know, there are a lot of people that that just want control over everything and are like kind of afraid. And, you know, to his point, people like Charles Schwab, it's like, well, that guy got where he got by not micromanaging, by not being like, I'm going to be the smartest guy and I'm going to act like I'm the smartest guy. I'm going to, you know, let let people uh, learn how to do what I want them to do their own way and then leave them to it. I I agree uh, with all of this unless you're a detective. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean? If you're the smartest detective in the room, actually, no. I was going to say you want to always assert and make sure that everybody knows that you're the smartest detective in the room. But... I don't think that's true because Columbo always mm. played dumb. All right, forget yeah. it. Stricken from the record. <laughs> he always acted like he was the dumbest guy in the room. Exactly. Yeah. But he but you know said what? Needed to know one more thing. But you know what? I mean, that's kind of a good example though, because Columbo kind of did what what this guy was talking about, where he didn't come right out and say things. He would be like. That's unusual, don't you think? Isn't that yeah. a little strange? And then you know, people be like, "Oh, that is strange." Yeah, you're right. Instead of him just declaring it, he would ask for other people's buy-in all the time. L. Ron Hubbard, Charles Manson, <laughs> Co- Lieutenant Columbo, uh, all uh, read Dale Carnegie and uh, lived by his principles. Frank Columbo was that his name? His first Lieutenant. Name? Lieutenant. <laughs> his first name is Lieutenant. Yeah. Uh, chapter five, let the other person save face. And, uh, you know, again, this is like, you know, you're playing the long game where, uh, where he, he, he gives the example of like uh, a, um, a, uh, like an accounting firm that would have to like lay people off and, you know, it basically, Try not to, uh, like, make them feel shitty about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our business is mostly seasonal. Therefore, we have to let a lot of people go. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he would just kind of say, like, uh, I don't know. J- again, just kind of not letting them feel let down, not ma- not making them feel like they necessarily did anything wrong. Just kind of going above and beyond to be like, this has nothing to do with you. This is just the business. But then like, here's a bunch of like good things we think about you. And, uh, you know, it, it would, it would help, uh, uh, further down the line, right. uh, to, to bring these people back in when they would need them. Uh, number six, how to spur people on to success. Uh, this, I have highlighted the first line because it's great. Because uh, I never really thought about it, but I'm like, oh, I guess it is a real thing. Pete Barlow was an old friend of mine. He had a dog and pony act and spent his life traveling <laughs> with circuses and vaudeville shows. There's a literal dog and pony show in this in this book. Yep, yeah, and, and this guy had a had a dog and pony show. 
and mm-hmm. and the way he trained you know he doesn't get into how he trained the ponies but he talks about how he trained the dogs and uh and Dale Carnegie got a lot uh you know learned a lot from that how did he train the what what does a dog and pony show actually entail they don't he doesn't have he doesn't get into other, the details because <laughs> come again he doesn't get into the details, I think, because it's assumed everybody reading this, you know, like on a Friday night, what do you do? You go see a dog and pony show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, basically, he, he, he points out that, like, when you're training a dog, you give it treats, even if it hasn't done everything you want it to do. If it's like making some progress, you reward it. Right. Um, And he says you should do the same with people. Remember, we all crave appreciation and recognition and we'll do almost anything to get it. But nobody wants insincerity. Nobody wants flattery. Again, uh, let me repeat. The principles taught in this book will only work when they come from the heart. I'm not advocating a bag of tricks. I'm talking about a new way of life, which I guess flies in the face of what I was saying about this book uh, only moments ago. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, chapter seven, this, I, I didn't completely get the chapter name. Give a dog a good name. Like, uh, I, Bruce. I think it was like, uh, like a, like an old saying that if you gave a dog a bad name, like if you called your dog killer, then it was going to be a killer. Gotcha. But if you called it fluffy, then it was going to be fluffy. Um, <laughs> that, that, this is kind of getting into the secret territory. <laughs> the secret. Just if you've got a dog, you don't like the way it is. Yeah. Just will it into existence. Uh, but he gives a great example here, Tim. And this example comes from a fourth grade teacher in Brooklyn, New York, where we both live. Um, he, uh, his teacher gets their their uh, you know their new class roster for the first day of school. Uh, her excitement and joy of starting a new term was tinged with anxiety. You know why? In her class this year, she would have Tommy T, the school's no, no. most notorious bad boy. That's like, uh, just like you, Tom. Yeah. Uh, is, I lo- is there- <laughs> Tom, I gotta tell you, I love notorious bad boys. I can't stay away from <laughs> Who them. Who doesn't love notorious <laughs> bad boys? Who can resist a bad boy? Um... But basically, this this kid uh, was not just mischievous. He caused serious discipline problems, picked fights with the boys, teased the girls, was fresh to the teacher, and seemed to get worse as he grew older, just like me. His yeah. older, his only redeeming feature was the ability to learn rapidly and master the schoolwork easily. I mean, those are pretty redeeming features at yeah. school. Yeah, that's what you're there for. But basically, this teacher... Uh, decided to face the Tommy problem immediately. Uh, and, you know, when when she greeted the new students, she made little comments. Rose, that's a pretty dress you're wearing. Alicia, I hear you draw beautifully. When she came to Tommy, she looked him straight in the eyes and said, Tommy, Fuck I understand you. your... <laughs> Tommy, Tommy, if you think you're going to beat me, you got another thing fucking coming. I Punched him square of... in the fucking jaw. Yeah, just like you know, they say the first day of prison, go up to the biggest guy and punch him in the face. That's what yeah. this teacher did to yeah. Tommy. Tommy T. Um, uh, she said, "I I understand you are a natural leader. 
I'm going to depend on you to help me make this class the best class in the fourth grade this year. She reinforced this over the first few days by complimenting Tommy on everything he did and commenting on how this showed what a good student he was. With that reputation to live up to, even a nine-year-old couldn't let her down, and he didn't. So basically, it's like, you know, she she changed the framework. Yeah. And instead of being like, Tommy, I heard you're a real piece of shit. And I got my my fucking eye on you. And, uh, you know, the first sign of anything. Guess what? It's like the 1930s. I'll just beat you. Uh, she she pulled a different tact. And uh, this guy gave gave him a good name. And he lived up to that good name instead of living up to the bad boy image. Yeah. Maybe, uh... maybe if somebody had tried this on Charlie Sheen, maybe he <laughs> wouldn't be the bad boy we all know him to be. Um, at what point? Like when he was when he was doing his whole tiger blood thing? Yeah. If uh, what, what was the guy's name that that uh, ran uh, two and a half men? Chuck Lorre. Chuck, yeah, if Chuck Lorre on the first day of Two and a Half Men said, uh, "Listen, Char- uh, listen, uh, uh, Charlie, uh, you're I'm counting on you to make up two of the Two and a Half Men because I of, mean one and a half, <laughs> one and a half of the, and I'm counting on the the boy and the other guy to each be a half a man, but you're yeah, going to be Cryer. one and a yeah one and a half man." And, uh, and, uh, you know, we're all counting on you and we're all looking up to you. Uh, yeah, maybe he wouldn't have uh, been such a bad boy. That's fair. That's, uh, that might be, that might be the most unhinged thing you ever said on this <laughs> podcast. But it might've worked just crazy yeah, enough to work. He wouldn't have done all those drugs and abused those prostitutes. I mean, in fairness, like it does seem like part of Charlie Sheen acting out was Chuck Lorre, like, you know, uh, going, being like, well, I'm going to beat you. Oh, yeah. Like the two of them going head to head and butting <laughs> heads over everything. Chuck Lorre should have just said, you know what, Charlie, you're a leader and we're all looking up to you. Boy, I thought the two of us, like, couldn't let go of the slap. But uh, here we are, uh, even going back further and, and digging up the Charlie Sheen, Tim, Chuck there, Lorre there beef. Is, there is slap news this week, and we're, we're we've stayed, uh, I would even say, suspiciously silent about it. Tom, there's so much slap news. We have, we've had a lot of <laughs> offline conversations about <laughs> this slap news and the slap in general and just how... Thrilled we are that the slap happened. <laughs> and happy it's back in the news. Hopefully yeah. another news cycle about the slap. Everybody else, like literally everybody except for the two of us, is so sick of hearing about the slap <laughs> or thinking about the slap. Most people haven't thought about it in five months. You and I discuss it weekly. <laughs> We're both like, how come we never make it like documentaries and like series about the slap? How come they don't play the slap on TV all the time? They should just have the slap channel. Play that weird, uh, the the Japanese dub of the Oscar telecast. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, just hearing like some random Japanese family <laughs> in, in their home <laughs> reacting as they're <laughs> taping it on their on their phone. Um, chapter eight: Make the fault seem easy to correct. Um, hmm. And this is, you know, um, well, it, you know, this this guy's he's talking about uh, uh, Dale's talking about learning bridge. Which, you know, was like a, a thing to do back then. Yeah, I um, think people still do that now. You want to start a you know, bridge club? No, because f- from what I understand from television, that's what uh, like mother-in-laws do. Yeah, it's okay. Tom, I have my bridge club. <clears throat> this table that I'm sitting at, it seats, mm-hmm. you know, it's got four comfortably, and then, but it extends. So if we need mm-hmm. to have more people in our bridge club, we can all sit around this big table. I don't even know how many people it's you got need a to leaf. play bridge. Yeah, neither do I, but we'll learn. Um, <laughs> Apparently, you can learn how just by reading this book that you're reading. <laughs> well, he talks about how like he wasn't good at it, but uh, some guy, you know, was basically like, "Oh, look at you! You're good at it." Uh, like you'll have no problem or he didn't say he's good at it, but he was basically like, nah, you Dale, you'll learn bridge. No problem. Right. And he right. says, "Impresto, almost before I realized what I was doing, I found myself for the first time at a bridge table, all because I was told I had a natural flair for it. And the game was made to seem easy. And the guy hustled him for all of its worth. I don't know if you can really like bet money on bridge. I mean, there's winners and losers, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but he's basically saying, like, you know, even if something's not easy, like, tell somebody it's easy to to kind of get them over that initial hesitation to do something. And he gives an example of, like, the, this kid that was, uh, 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 oh, I'm, I forgot about this part. He's talking about, uh, this guy meeting a pretty bridge teacher and falling in love and marrying her. So that's another mm. reason to learn bridge. But he's yeah. talking about uh, uh, th- this guy whose kid uh, was in a car accident and he had like this big scar on his forehead. And uh, like as a result, the school administrators decided he was brain damaged and uh, he was like left behind and stuff. And basically, you know, and you hear about these things, you know, all the time and, you know, kids getting like left behind in school and then somebody actually like giving him attention and encouragement and being like, no, you can do this. Like, I'll help you. You're, you're doing great. And, you know, yeah, this, this kid, uh, 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 who is told he was brain damaged, who had been called Frankenstein by his classmates and told his brains must have leaked out of the cut in his head. Suddenly he discovered he could really learn and accomplish things. Uh, and uh, from then on, he, he never failed to make honor roll. He was elected to the National Honor Society and uh, his whole life changed. That's good. Good for him. Uh, chapter nine, making people glad to do what you want. And uh, this is this what is... Uh, Charlie Manson really uh <laughs> doubled down on <laughs> yeah um and he just talks about like uh 
Uh, I mean, he gives an example, William Jennings Bryan, the secretary of state. Um, he wanted to like go to, uh, some big meeting in Europe. Uh, but, uh, Woodrow Wilson appointed a different guy and, uh, that guy. And, and then after, after he was like, I want you to go. He was like, also, I want you to tell the guy who thinks he's going to go. (laughs) <laughs> that he's not going. Um, and uh, basically he, 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 he just kind of like buttered the guy up and said, uh, uh, I replied that the president thought it would be unwise for anyone to do this officially and that his going would attract a great deal of attention and people would wonder why he was there. Uh, and so he basically said like, no, 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 you're too important for this job. That's why I have to go. And, uh, the takeaway is always always make the other person happy about doing the thing you suggest. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I got nothing to say to that. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. And then the final example here. Uh, about doing this, uh, Mrs. Ernest Get Ghent of Scarsdale, New York, was troubled by boys running across and destroying her lawn. She tried criticism. She tried coaxing. Neither worked. Then she tried giving the worst sinner in the gang a title and a feeling of authority. Now, this I think is this could have backfired. Yeah, no, you don't want to. You don't want to do that. And she gave him a gun. Well, listen to what happened. And this is considered a, you know, oh, this worked. She made him her detective and put him in charge of keeping all trespassers off her lawn. That solved her problem. Her detective built a bonfire in the backyard, heated an iron red hot, and threatened to brand any boy who stepped on the lawn. <laughs> Jesus. But hey, it kept Success people off her story. lawn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're, you know, the titular old man who's yelling at kids to get off your lawn, maybe uh, single out the baddest kid and tell him uh, he has your permission to brand people <laughs> who uh, he's now a detective and he can uh, <laughs> physically abuse anyone that Very uh, cool. that Very cool. that tries to do this. Um uh, an effective leader. Yeah, and then he just kind of uh, sums it up. But I'll sum up this whole part um, in a nutshell at the end. Be a leader. A leader's job often includes changing your people's attitudes and behavior. Some suggestions to accomplish this begin with praise and honest appreciation. I mean, I think that that is like, you know, that's the difference between a good leader and a bad leader. A good leader realizes their job is like, people's attitudes and behavior were a bad leaders. Like my job is to crack the whip and yell at people and, and, you know, scream at them until things get done. Uh, call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. Ask questions instead of giving direct orders. Let the other person save face, praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement uh, give the other person a fine reputation to live up to use encouragement, make the fault seem easy to correct and make the other person happy about doing the thing you suggest. And Manipulate to, their emotions. That's how to win friends and influence people. 
Oh. Tom, let's uh let's go to the numbers. How many new friends have you won? <sighs> None, Tim. I haven't made any new friends. Oh. Yeah, I guess you'd have to leave the house for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I'm trying to think, uh yeah, no. I mean, I've like talked to a few new people online. Ooh, in chat rooms? Not in chat rooms, but like I've had like uh, a couple of business dealings uh like online okay. with with people where I mean those where people I have, aren't your friends, Tom. I know, and I ne- and I haven't necessarily uh you know made them into friends, but I've but I've tried to use the principles of like, you know, yeah, be nice. Don't be like aloof. You know, uh, uh, try, try and, you know, a few of these things are things where it's like, uh, th- I'm talking to people that I know are talking to like a bunch of people that I'm not in competition with or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, and we've talked about this offline that it's like, oh, I know probably this person's dealing with a few people that are like kind of assholes about about this or egotistical about this right and trying to like throw their weight around and like be difficult um i'm gonna try not to be that person i'm gonna try and be like the easiest person this person has to work with and the person who's like the nicest right um and and hopefully you know that'll that'll make our working relationship easier They'll do anything we ask of them, including murder. If it comes to that, Hollywood. Yeah, you know if uh, if I'm looking to start a race war, like uh, Charles yeah. Manson was. Yeah, I mean I can't ever imagine myself doing something so horrible, but you know, know who you're knows? Capable of you want to keep yeah. the options open. Exactly. It's, it's, look, the world is your oyster. We know, <laughs> right. nobody knows what the future holds for each one of us. Right. Yeah. Who knows if they're going to turn into a Chuck Manson one day? <laughs> um, Tom, uh, have you ever read a self help book like this before? Um, not like an old one like this, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. I just wonder where it stacks up. Have you read any like uh, any modern ones? I, I'm just curious how's the how this stacks up. This seems like the one of like the prototypes for the modern yeah. self help book, where it's just like, hey, you get a theme, and then you just give example after example, and you repackage that theme for a number of different scenarios, hit it from a number of different angles with a lot of examples and then you're out Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't think i've like i've never read a self-help book i think about like uh you know something like this like how to win friends and influence people like like i've read stuff that's more like uh, like inner self-help you know like how do i get better at doing this type thing rather than yeah. like how do i uh improve like uh communicating with others because i've true. uh i've perfected that i think so really no need 
Really no need to go in Yeah, it must be weird reading a book that you know, like, I don't need this. I've I've mastered all of this. I have all the friends I need and uh, too much influence, many people would argue. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times reading this, I was thinking, I I should have written this book. Me too. Just hearing about maybe it. Maybe I, hey, maybe I will. Maybe I'll write uh, how to win people and influence friends. Ooh, I'd like uh, to see them come after me for that. Maybe you and I should write a self-help book, Tom. That would be the best use of our knowledge and time. I think. What would what would our book help people with? Mostly uh, winning friends and influencing people. <laughs> And getting good parking spots when they're coming home on a Sunday evening. <laughs> using using magic to get good parking spots. <laughs> yeah. And then just like telling people they're doing a good job when they're not doing a good job. So they like you. <laughs> uh, t- telling people they're doing a, a great job up until the moment you have to convince somebody else to go fire them. <laughs> exactly. And, and convince them it was their idea. <laughs> All right, Um, Tom. Any final thoughts about the book? No, I should look into when this book uh, goes into the public domain so we can repackage it and sell it ourselves. Yeah, I'm sure this is one, like, these versions, they've, like, added bits and pieces to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've I've talked about in this version, but uh, uh, we can find that original version, and then we could put some... uh, Update examples about like uh, TikTok and stuff. Yeah, and Cardi B. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, She's Cardi influenced has, people. And she has a lot of friends. So we'll use her as a case study. We'll yeah. get rid of, uh, you know, one of these Rockefellers and we'll put Cardi B in there. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, we're going to watch the movie The Master. Yeah. Um, all about which, influencing people. Which is loosely based kind of on L. Ron Hubbard, mm-hmm. um, who was uh, a devotee of uh, yeah, Dale, Dale Carnegie. Carnegie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, y- that's the connection. It's relevant. Yeah. Um, so thank you for being a patron. Hey, watch along. Watch The, the yeah. Master. It's a good movie. I haven't seen it since it's come out. Um. Uh, and? I've seen it. I didn't see it when it came out. Uh, like I didn't see it in theaters, but I don't know if I've seen it since, uh, yeah, it came out 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's not on any streaming service. You have to rent it. I forgot Amy Adams is in it. What a cast. What a cast. Killer cast. Um, thank you for being patrons. We love you very much. Tom comment of the week mm. comes from, uh, Adam Johnson who commented, weird booksman. (laughs) Sounds like he should be one of the hosts. He remembers the catchphrase. Yeah. Adam, consider that your audition. (laughs) All right. Any any last words, Tom? Uh, No. Hey, keep on... You're Making supposed to friends. like praise me and you know make me feel hey, good about Tim, myself. Hey, uh, Tim, boy, you really did a bang up job here. Didn't see and sincere. and but no, and I wish you did better. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>